Welcome to the Mental Health Adjacent Podcast, a place of support for the supporters. My name is Abby, and it is my goal to create a safe space where those that have loved ones struggling with mental health issues can feel heard and find tools to help on their journey. Here, you will listen to others sharing their experiences and get advice from professionals on how to best care for yourself while providing support for someone else. Having overcome compassion fatigue myself, it is now my mission to remind the supporters that self-care is not a luxury, but rather a necessity. Let's get into today's episode. In today's episode, I'm joined by Carla Mira, a certified emotional empowerment and hypnotherapist coach who specializes in supporting women in stepping into their voice and power. She shares all about how her spirituality provided solace in her role as a supporter for her brother, who struggles with paranoia. We also go over the importance of listening to our emotions and learning what they are trying to teach us. Let's dive right into it. Welcome on, Carla. I'm really excited to have you. I am so excited to be here with you, Savvy. Like, what you do is amazing and it's so powerful. So thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So maybe we can start by you sharing a little bit about who it is that you are and, you know, um, a little bit about your story. Sure. So my story, I think, was so divine in the way it happened. Obviously, when we're dealing with someone with a mental illness, it's we don't really want to think of it as like divine. And it's it hurts when the person you love and care for is, is very it's very painful to see them go through that. But I will say that when this was happening with my brother, I, or we first were trying to figure out what was happening. I was also in starting my own emotional empowerment certification. And so a little bit about what I do and how that relates to my, my story with my brother is um, I'm an emotional empowerment coach and I am so passionate about helping people really connect with their emotions, especially the negative ones, but then also like using that to heal relationships and the situations and communicating what they're feeling. And so how this ties to my brother is that when we first started fig figuring out that something was like really weird happening with him, like the things, the way he would stare off and my brother just, um, so that it's it's clear on the table he has paranoia which i believe if i remember correctly is like a spectrum on the spectrum of like schizophrenia and so this isn't just you know like the anxiety or depression that we hear so much about but it's on another level also and physically the way he would show up or stare off or and interact with us was so bizarre to us we had no idea what was going on and we had neighbors telling us cer certain things that they would see with my brother and and then because we didn't know that he had paranoia the way we would communicate w with him was with so much like anger and like upset and again we had no idea what was going on we thought he was perfectly fine but just doing all these weird things and there was a lot of confusion and so when I was really searching for what else I could do with my life in a life purpose and career type situation, I remember finding the school, the certification that I'm now certified in. And I literally had this moment where I was just like, do I sign up or not? I could save this money and it was thousands of dollars and help my brother 
somehow, right? Like in some sort of way. But um, my sister told me something that basically was a big shift for me. And she said, you know, Carla, there's always going to be situations, but if you feel like this is what you have to do, then do it. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to do it. So I, it hurt because I knew my brother was struggling with something. And at that time, we still didn't know it was paranoia. But um, it really was once we found out that it was over a year in our journey and there was just like I said, so much anger, so much confusion before that, so much yelling at him, like tears from everywhere. And it was so difficult. Um, and thankfully, and the reason I said it was sort of divine is because as I was learning the tools to be certified, I was able to apply them in to what was happening with my brother, but then also the interactions with my parents, because they had one way of interacting with him and I didn't always agree or they had one way of thinking they could support or maybe don't do this that I didn't agree with and so there was turmoil from like everywhere and thankfully where we are now is a place where I think I told you this before out of like outside of um the podcast but it, it's always gonna hurt but at least now it's easier and I'm no longer crying every day and I'm no longer doing, feeling guilty or carrying around that intense like sadness, anger, guilt, embarrassment even that I felt at times. And I just feel so much lighter and, and not only that, but now I can interact with my brother in a way that is so much different than than like when our journey first began. That is so interesting. Uh, it's definitely divine timing that you were developing these tools to you know deal with your own emotions while everything was going on. Because I, I think that's one of the most difficult things, knowing how to deal with our emotions when we are so afraid that our emotions will destabilize the, the party that's struggling. Um, yeah. How old was your brother when all of these symptoms come, started coming out? Um, he was, I think, about 25, 24, 25. That's really interesting. I, I know a little bit about paranoia because I've read about it, but most of the people you know, I'm, I interact with, um, the, the people they're supporting, they're, they're struggling with anxiety and depression. Those are like the most common ones I hear accounts from. So it's really interesting for me to hear from you because I, I haven't heard any like, you know, personal accounts of someone supporting someone with paranoia. Yeah, it's definitely not easy, especially because I think one of the toughest things, is, there's so many tough things, but one of the toughest things is when you're in, when I'm interacting with him and he says something and whether he was watching some news report or whatever it was, and it's a person really high up in power. And he will say things like, oh, and I know that he was talking to me. He was like, you know, it's like he interprets it like this person is speaking directly to him and only him. And in his mind, of course it's him. Like, of course they're talking to him. And so then how am I supposed to really, you know, I can't just be like, no, that's wrong. That's not happening. You have to like step into reality because that can also trigger him. And then he can like, he'll either don't believe you. And it's just like, 
you're trying to balance respecting him, but at the same time, making sure that you don't feed into it either. So it's been a very interesting journey for sure. Um, uh, you know, and I think it's going to be a lifelong journey. There's always going to be different situations, but it's, it's interesting trying to sort of navigate the world's happening in a way that honors me, who I am as a person, but that respects him without, like I said, feeding into it also. Yeah, so I would love to hear what are some of the struggles um, you faced as a supporter, because I know, you know, for people who's, especially whose partners have anxiety or depression, it mm -hmm. presents in ways that, you know, they can't help around the house or they really can't go out or they, mm -hmm. they can't collaborate. So I would love, um, because yeah. it is such a different thing, to hear what are some of the specific um, struggles and issues uh, that your brother faces and how that affects how he interacts with, you know, his family and the people around him. Yeah, so um, I, one of the first things that came to mind is a little bit less on what he does, and but then more on our relationship with him. Because when it first started, and you're seeing shifts happen, I could not help but cry because you're looking, and I feel like I'm getting emotional now too, but you're looking at someone that you grew up with, and he's two years younger than me, so we grew up so close. And physically, he is the same person. He looks the same. He hugs you the same. But it's like he has sort of become like a whole new person. So one of the biggest challenges for me was seeing someone, but realizing that you're now really learning to interact with someone who is like completely different. And that is such a big, um, such a big, I don't even know the word for it, but it's one of the biggest sort of like mind-blowing things imagine you're looking at someone right and you've known them all your life but suddenly who they are like who they've become really or the way they now express themselves because he's still very loving like his heart is still there that essence of him is still there but it's like his personality is different and that is the most confusing thing to deal with it is one of the most heartbreaking things to deal with and um even now you know it's still very tough. I go over, I visit, and I see him. And when he's has his like much better days, then he definitely is doing so much better now than um, in the beginning. It, you know, you want to interact with him the same. I want to just start chatting with him. Um, but then you, you just get reminded of where he is mentally by what he says. And um, and it's really just like this jarring experience that your brain and your heart are trying to like get together on the same page. Uh, that I think is one of the most biggest things as a supporter, as someone who is there for people with mental illnesses. Um, and I don't even know if I'm ever really going to get used to that, you know? Um, I think that's going to be something I'm always going to, at some level, be hurting by, I guess. Um, and then when it comes to him 
and, and the interactions in our lives. Uh, first and foremost, I know that it's difficult to want to go out with him. And, I, it's, and it feels so, and I feel like a bad person even just saying that. But even just thinking like, you know, going out to like dinner or lunch, I have three, two other younger siblings, and because we grew up so close, I love going out to lunch with them or dinner, especially my my youngest of brothers. And that's the same relationship I wanted with with my other brother, and I still would have had it. But when we go out to public, and then he starts talking, or he'll talk really loud, or he'll go get into like conversations, and the way he interacts with people, I mean, people get put off, and it's, first of all, there's still that twinge of like embarrassment that you sort of feel, but then also you feel bad. Like I feel so bad for my brother and knowing that he, this guy is the most social butterfly on the planet and he can love so deeply. And so he goes into conversation so innocently, like really just from like his heart and he speaks with like no ill intent, but, um, People don't perceive it that way. They get creeped out. They they look at him weird. Um, and, and so it's really like, how do you navigate that also? How do you want to make sure that he feels so loved and we're still spending time outside and, and trying to get him from just being in his own like lonely world to um, experience the world with you? But then also having to make sure that people don't interpret him as like this weird, scary kind of guy. So I think for sure that's been one of the biggest challenges, Debbie, that is is still difficult to this day. Wow, yeah. First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for being so open and vulnerable with us. I can I can feel just how tough it is for you to share all of this. So I really want to honor you for being willing to so openly talk about it. Thank you. <laughs> um, of course. Um, it really it really sounds like like a very tough thing. Um, I've I've never experienced it to to that level. So I I can't even imagine what it is like to to go through all of that because you know when you have people with anxiety and depression they can it, it I think it's easier when they're on functional levels for them to to not appear like there is something <laughs> wrong but when it's something yeah. That, that yeah we unfortunately live in a world that still has so much stigma around mental health that when anyone shows any signs of it people definitely get really put off and it's it it must be a really hard thing to face to see someone you love so much being rejected uh, by people yeah it is and i mean i understand it it it's one of those things like whenever you see something out of the ordinary you can't really help but like stare and then also instinct i think kicks in if you see something that you're not used to and then maybe you're a little bit scared of you don't really want to like get near it you don't want to interact you may be confused and so I totally understand um people and you know I can't judge them or really be mad at them because unless you have gone through this experience then you really won't know 
what it feels like and that's the same for any experience if you don't haven't gone through it you're not going to know what it feels like and if you, you no one in your family has ever gone through anything like this then then why would you know how to treat people who have it's an acquired skill i will say though that i it's one of those situations that you never think you would find yourself in much like a lot of other things that can be traumatic or uh, painful, life-changing, something happens and next thing you know, your life is like forever changed. And that's definitely the same thing with me. I would hear all the time, mental health is so important. Like it's so, you know, we need to bring more awareness to it. And I'd be like, yeah, that's so true. And, but then I never really did more than that. Like I battled my own moments of anxiety and even depression back when I was in high school and college. But fortunately, I was able to really heal and pull myself out of that. And so it's been like years since something like this happened. And then this is so much more, it's like on a different uh, spectrum, really. So it's when you realize that something like this is happening within your own family it's such a big shock and and you don't really know how to handle it which is why I think what your podcast and what you're doing is so important because as much as people who have the mental illnesses and situations that they're going through need support the people who who love them and care for them need the support too because we don't we naturally don't know the skills to cope and to help them and and now it's and then it adds sort of to another way we have to take care of ourselves because just sort of like basic self-care is so difficult for a lot of people or they don't put time for it or the energy to really look after themselves but um when you were when you do have someone who is struggling with this it it's easy to want to like not even take care of yourself but it's when it's even more vital or otherwise I honestly think if I didn't take care of myself I and my fiance didn't like wasn't here to, here to really remind me that I need to take care of myself then um it's so easy to like be in a state of depression and just think about the sadness that you know my brother is going through yeah, absolutely. I always say that self-care is not a luxury, it's a necessity. And mm -hmm. society does such a disservice to us to tell us that anything we do for ourselves and or anytime we prioritize ourselves, we're being selfish. But it's actually the contrary because the more you take the time to be okay and fill your own cup and look after yourself, then you can show up a lot better for that other person because you know you're not wearing yeah. yourself out you're not burning out you're not building that resentment which can be such a strong feeling for those of us that are supporting yeah. so it's you're actually doing a lot more for the other person as well oh for sure I think like I mean I totally see that in the way that I interact with my own brother because again before I even knew that he had paranoia I would get angry based on the things that I would see or I would hear again from like people, neighbors, things like that. And I would literally just like yell at him and be like, I don't know what's like wrong with you, what you're doing. And I would go off and he would just sit there and just sit there and not say anything or sit there and say that I'm wrong. And 
uh, and so my interactions with him, I know, were not the most supportive. And but at the t- at that time, I was also um, much more my my fiance and I were living with my family, and so it was harder to really create that sort of separation and self care when you're constantly all the time there. But even then, because you're walking down the hallway or you see him in the kitchen and it just kind of like reminds you of what's going on. So now that we have like our own space and I have really the time and the space to look after myself now, it definitely is easier when I do go and visit and I go spend time with him to come from a place of I feel good, really a big part of also for people who can't step away from the situation and come back in and you know like if they if you live with your family if you lived with the loved ones who have these mental illnesses and and you find it hard to really take care after yourself I think it is so vital to find some sort of sisterhood or circle whether you're male or female just some sort of support outside of the home because I one of the things that I happened to join that also coincided so well during the beginning of all of this is I ended up joining this weekly gathering of um, where we would come and just support share what was happening and be there for one another and I honestly would sometimes just go spend my 15 minutes or whatever it was and just vent and cry and share how much I was hurting and it is so powerful to allow yourself to like cry and feel those emotions and to talk it out at least for me I'm someone who has to talk things out a lot I and that for processing a lot of things um all sorts of choices and decisions but even more so these types of situations I have to verbally let out what I'm feeling the hurts that I'm experiencing, um, the frustrations, and and having people there to be able to listen to me, and it's not just me talking to myself all the time, uh, was really powerful. So I for sure encourage everyone to try to find some space and connect with other people. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a place where it's just for mental health supporters, like the group that I was in, we all had different situations. But like I said, sometimes you just need to vent it out. And I know that when we have someone we love that is struggling with a mental illness, it can be very difficult to share with other people in our personal lives what's happening. I know that was for sure true with me. There was a sense of guilt, a sense of embarrassment, like shame and like, oh my gosh, I can't really let people know I shouldn't even let my family know there is this like sort of you know stigma and like taboo and that goes around with it and I definitely felt that in the beginning and so that's why I was like you know what I'm gonna go with strangers they don't really know me they don't know my family they don't know my brother but I need to let it out and and just let out what you're feeling in some sort of way super super powerful yeah no absolutely it really is and it really is true about the stigma it's really difficult to feel comfortable talking about these things I know 
it happened for, for me when I was, you know, I had this idea for the podcast and then I was like, well, can I be talking about this? Is this my story to tell? Uh, I'm going to be exposing my yeah. partner, but mm -hmm. it is our story to share as well. You know, we're, we're living it as well. And there definitely is a lot of power in, in stepping up to that and sharing, even if, you know, it's with strangers or, or whatever. Yeah. And you know, what's so funny, even when, um, even as I knew that I was going to come onto your podcast, there was still a part of me that was like, what you said, is this my story to tell, right? It's my brother, my brother who is so pure hearted and do I want to share this out with him what if you know I'm sharing this and then someone hears it someone like from my family and they judge him they judge us like what can happen but at the same time oh and so because I felt that my mom came to visit about a week ago and I remember letting her know my my internal sort of dilemma and And it was weird because, and part of me was even like, I was even feeling like I was asking for her permission. Like, hey, is it okay if I go on and share, you know, my, the story and like what's been happening? And, and again, it was very much like, how can I be talking about my brother? But you're right there. We need to really, um, it's part of our story. I mean, it's part of my journey. It may not impact me the way it's impacting him, but for sure, <laughs> All those tears that I've cried and all the emotions that I felt have been such a big part of my journey. So, so why, why not, you know? Yeah, I, I totally understand the asking for permission. I actually did ask, well, we're not longer together, but when, when we were together and I was starting to put all of this together, I asked my partner if he would be okay with me doing this. And I know mm -hmm. he is and he supports it and he's even asked to listen to it, which I don't let him <laughs> because... Mm -hmm. <laughs> this, you know, this is my safe space for me, and this is where where I come and I really yeah. try to heal and you know put put my experience into words. And I really don't want it to be a place where I also have to be careful or worried about triggering mm. him, uh, which is what often happened mm -hmm. when I was having conversations with him. So that's that's why it's really important for me um, that I know he's not listening because that way, you know, I, I know I can I can speak freely about my experience and that it won't hurt him yeah. in any way. Yeah, that is so true. I actually really admire that. Thank you. So I would definitely love to hear about a little bit of the tools you gathered throughout this um, certification that you did and you know how those helped you deal with this entire journey that you've been through. Yeah, so one of the biggest things that comes to mind is really How, learning how to understand and express and not navigate my hurt, but specifically my anger. Because once I realize, like, hey, my brother isn't just being some weirdo guy, like he is really going through something. He needs our support. I really wanted to, I don't know, like make sure that we found some facility where he could go and get the support and and just do more than what we were doing and my parents had a whole different sort of idea there of course they were hurting as well but like the way they perceived things was really differently so what i perceived as okay we're not doing anything why is this happening do you guys even like care for his well-being 
on their end, it was like, yes, we love him. We want to support him. But then there was also hurt with just the thoughts of sending him somewhere. It was, I specifically, I remember my dad saying like, you, you know, like it hurts to think we're going to send him somewhere, but not only that, but actually leave him in a place where maybe they don't really know if they can fully trust the people there because you always, there's stories of abuse in all sorts of situations, even at elderly homes, facilities like this. And I know that's a very legitimate fear. In fact, when my parents took him to, um, or my dad, I think, took him to get a the actual diagnosis of what he was going through. And he came back and told us that when there was a moment when my brother got a little bit agitated and his voice rose and he was getting frustrated at what the doctor maybe was asking him or saying. And at that time, there was these two really big like security men, nurses, people, right, who need to have strength and muscle because people who have serious mental illnesses can act out and then they need to be restrained for the safety of themselves and the people around them. And that, seeing those really two big men there also brought in fear within my dad and then also my mom after he shared the story because your concern is, I want to protect my son, but you just never know what can happen in facilities like this. And I hadn't really thought about that. And so there was, we're both trying to love and protect him, but our mindset is so different. And so I literally had to, when I realized I was getting so angry and I was like, what is wrong with you guys? And I would complain to my fiance and to that circle that I was a part of, like, I don't know what's wrong. They don't want to do anything. They're just holding back. Like, this is really annoying me. I finally decided I needed to really let them know that it was hurting me because that anger that I had towards my parents was this hurt and sense of not having power. And that's really what anger is here to teach you. Like when you feel anger, you really, in essence, what you're feeling is powerlessness and that you're not in control. And I definitely felt that. Here I was trying to figure out the best thing to do with my brother, but I'm not his parent and he was over 18. And so I felt like I couldn't control the situation of where to really put my brother in the best place. And so that was, that's why I was getting so angry. So I realized that I really needed to share this hurt with my parents. And so we sat down one day and I really told them how I was perceiving their actions and why it hurt me so much. And that I felt that I cared more. And that's when they shared their own point of view. And that was really healing. So for sure, one of my biggest tips would be is if you have someone in your life that is struggling with a mental illness, but there's other people involved also who are there to maybe make choices and have a say in the well-being of this person, you're not always going to see face to face and you won't always know why they're choosing to do or not choosing to do something. And having conversations with those other people is so important. Otherwise, if I hadn't had the conversation with my parents, I would have still thought that like, hey, they don't, do they even really love my brother? Like what's going on? Like I know they love, my mom is so freaking loving and I know they both really love, love us. But in that moment, I'm seeing something different than what I would have thought was really love and support. And, and so that's like my first tip, that communication is 
huge, absolutely so important. Yeah, communication is definitely a huge thing. But I really love that you said as well, like this feeling of powerlessness. And I think yeah. that's so real because, you know, there's absolutely nothing you can do. The entire healing process, it's up to the other person. Even like in, in stuff like anxiety and depression, it, it's the person that has to do the work to get better. There's nothing yes. you can do about it. And so it's really easy to feel powerless and to feel like there's absolutely useless. I remember when, when my boyfriend used to have anxiety attacks while we were, you know, together and seeing him going through something so rough and knowing mm -hmm. there's, there was absolutely nothing I could do at that moment to ease his pain and everything that I was going through. Because you also don't know what's going on inside his head. So you don't know what it is, you know, what the thoughts yeah. are that are causing whatever it is that, that you're seeing. So it really is a very challenging situation to, get, to deal with. Yeah. And then the other thing with that, for sure, there's a lot of letting go. But I know the other two main things that really helped me is the other emotion that I felt was accept, uh, guilt. And I felt so guilty. And when it's very difficult to enjoy really living your life and feeling like a good person, when you're handling and you're, when you're dealing with guilt. And so I remember just questioning myself a lot and blaming myself and thinking, oh my goodness, if I was maybe spending more time with him, if I was more aware of what he was doing, like, you know, you just start really, I really put myself in the circle of if I had done this, maybe would have prevented that. And if I had done this, then it maybe would have prevented that. But the truth of the matter is that what comes to guilt, there's, guilt is actually a very, one of those very complicated emotions, but there is a part in there that is really asking you to sort of step back and see what role and what label you've been put into that now you feel you have to fulfill. And I know that as the eldest of four and as first generation Mexican Americans, or, you know, English is my parents' second language. I really felt like I was in a way a third parent for my siblings. And so there was so much that came up with that and why guilt was so heavy on me because I had attached this role of pseudo parent. And so when I saw my brother being in his situation, suddenly I was like, I failed him. And And I really had to take a step back and analyze that for me. Like, why do I feel like I failed him? First of all, I'm not his parent. And even if I was, we all end up making choices because I can't even blame, you know, my parents. It's not their fault for what happened with my brother. And I, so I have to detach that responsibility. Like, no, Carla, you are not his parent. You are not responsible for his actions you are his sister and you can love him and support him from that. But start, I had to start chipping away at these things and these labels I thought were so true that then fed into my guilt. So I would really encourage also people to look into why they're feeling guilty if they feel guilty, because I know at times in situations like these, there is a sense of guilt. And whether that's you blaming yourself, could we have done more? Or in the aftermath, 
you know, during and when you go out and things like that, it can just really come in for so many reasons. So addressing that is going to be so liberating. Yeah, I I love that you said that because it's actually something a therapist told me in another one of the episodes when I shared a little bit about my experience and she was like, well, it's really important to analyze where those actions are coming from because sometimes you think that you are supporting or helping the other person but actually you're acting from a place of your own you know past things that you bring along so if you mm -hmm. you are a people pleaser and you grew up like that you're you're really going to you know be have difficulty putting up boundaries and you're going to think that yeah. you're doing it for the other person but it's actually it comes from a need within you mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that is. And that's something that I think is, is probably one of the hardest things to navigate because even when, even if that is something within you, like with me, right? Because the reasons that I felt guilty, I still thought myself, well, isn't it the freaking decent thing to do? Isn't it the nice the thing to do as someone that you love? Why would I not care for my brother? Why would I like let him X, Y, Z? And so it's, it's sort of like this fine line that you have to navigate when it comes to guilt like doing your own healing and making sure you're not bringing that in but then also still letting the love that you have for the person without all your own like labels and hurt that you have you can impact that so it's, it can be very um very tricky to say the least and then I think the third thing that has helped me so much in this is <laughs> it's what I call it's really knowing that each one of us here is going through life for their own spiritual journey and of course we you know our choices impact what can happen like maybe I'm a firm believer that we all have like this big we all kind of came here with our own mission even if it's just to spread love the best way you know how and and so when I hurt and I cry because I still if I sit and I really think about it like it will get to me but one of the toughest things is when I think oh my gosh my brother he really wanted to be this amazing nutritionist and help people in that way and he, I mean his when he was going through his school for all of that and taking care of his nutrition and he was so on top of it and losing all the weight and looking fabulous and just getting healthier that really motivated me and I was so excited to see how he would have really impacted lives and so because of where he is now it's just a complete 180 to that and I get very sad thinking at what could have been what because my brother is very very um like I've mentioned, like very loving and he really wants to support people and he has big goals. And so now I see that he's sort of like in this, I don't want to say a trap, but it's like he has these big ambitions, but because of what's going on with him, it has been very limiting and difficult for him. And so if I think about that too much, it hurts, but I have to also remember what I, like what I was saying is that we're all here for our own journey And my brother has his own journey to go through. His soul is going through his own growth. And when he, I'm a believer in future lives and even just, 
you know, reincarnations and things like that. And I really believe that he is going to really, he's growing and he's doing his own up level uh, at his own time. Even if it's not going to be fully at this lifetime, like some people, I really believe that his soul is learning and growing and going through things that are going to impact a future life of his. And I cannot, like, I am not some almighty God that is like, okay, you really should have done this. I really, really have been able to make my own heart feel more at peace by knowing that his journey is his and I am no one to judge and I will be there for him and continue loving him. And that is the best way that I, I can really show him love and support. And, and it makes it so much easier. When you realize that we are all here on our journeys, then you don't really feel like you need to do everything, everything and anything for the person in your life that is struggling with mental illness. I really love that. And it's actually really true. I think for me, connecting to my own spirituality has also been a huge part of my healing journey. But also mm -hmm. understanding that, you know, they are their own person and they do have to go through their own journey, whether that is healing or whether that is coping or whatever it is, it is their journey. And yeah. you have a journey that goes beyond just catering to the needs of this other person. Right. And that actually is so true because we can't baby them. We have our own lives. And no matter how much I love my brother, I'm not going to be the one to walk on eggshells all the time. And I mean, I do keep certain topics minimal. Um, but other, other than that, it's like you still your own whole person and and just because your struggle is different than mine and it's different than our neighbors or whatever that doesn't mean that you are any less of a person and because you are still your own person you still get to choose how you want to at least experience and embrace life And I think that can be difficult, again, with paranoia, um, because it's sort of like their reality is different. So it's so, even if I'm like, okay, well, this is kind of how it is, he may interpret things way differently. And it's, it's difficult to say you're fully responsible, because again, he interprets certain things differently. But at the same time, yeah, he's responsible of his own life. Even if his reality at times can be different, there's no way that I'm responsible. There's no way that my mom is responsible. He's still very much responsible in his own way to the best of his ability, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that. And I love that you have managed to get this sense of acceptance And, you know, because I know that is something that a lot of people really struggle with, getting that level of, yeah. of acceptance and being able to not remove yourself from the situation, but detach in a way. So mm -hmm. I applaud you to, to getting to that. Um, I know for me, it's still something I struggle with, even as I'm no longer with my, with my former partner, I sometimes 
still mm-hmm. struggle with that. Yeah, and that's totally understandable. I've come to really accept him now for who he is, but you know, that still doesn't mean that it's not difficult when you when we're in certain situations or little things come up and you just remember, oh right, this is a little bit different. <laughs> um but the best thing we can do is really just accept it for what it is without trying to bring more to it. And a lot of times I do really want to specify this is the people supporting can at times be more in pain themselves because my brother, and I do not doubt that he is in some level of pain, even if he has denial, I've definitely witnessed and seen him. And I know that there is for sure a part of him hurting, but I think a lot of times it's so easy for the supporters to put more pain on themselves. Like for me, when I would think, oh, my brother can no longer do this, or these people are judging him, blah, 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 blah. In his mind, he I don't think he really cares if people like look at him strange when he's out and about because he is so in the moment with like us or focused wherever his attention is that he doesn't really have the time to think about everything that I'm thinking about thinking about and maybe I'm wrong because I'm not in his mind and I don't fully understand paranoia right like that I think that would take forever I only know bits and pieces in what I see with my brother but it's like we have to understand that as supporters we can't just add more burden on ourselves when the people maybe that we're loving aren't always doing that to themselves you know what I mean yeah, absolutely. And I think it is true that we do take a lot from the other person. We take a lot of guilt and we take a, a lot of repons- responsibility that isn't always ours, but we just feel like it's our job to kind of like take it on. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to learn to just learn ourselves first and go from there. And that's why, like I mentioned, I really love the awareness that you're bringing because we can't be there for others if, if we're not even there for ourselves. Absolutely. So I would love to hear any tips you have around, you know, self-care or you do a lot of emotional empowerment. So, you know, how you can go about accepting some of your emotions, especially those that are like anger and guilt and shame and how you mm-hmm. can use them to empower yourself. Yeah. So one of the most fundamental things is that we have to realize that and a big thing again for me is spirituality and bringing that into the healing so understanding that we are humans and as humans we have emotions and it's one of the most beautiful things that we get to experience it's really our emotions and our feelings are these really beautiful divine messages that are trying to communicate with us and if we understand that the next time that we experience guilt or anger resentment whatever the emotion may be it's easier to pause and say you know what this is coming up for a reason and it's reason that is meant to help up level my life so instead of feeling bad for being maybe jealous or a lot of times people feel bad for getting angry instead of letting those emotions stack up on your other emotions just realize that they're here to help you 
And once you start to perceive them as helpful messengers, you can be able to accept them more and invite them in and be open to what it is that they have to say. And each of those emotions have a different message. And that would be like a topic for, uh, you know, oh my gosh, that would take forever. But really understanding that they're here to support you. You're going to be able to then accept them as they come. Now, it's not always going to be easy to want to accept them. But if you observe, that's another thing, like at least observe. And I am big on journaling. I journal I've been journaling forever. It's one of my favorite things. And so I would really encourage you that when you notice an emotion coming up, especially guilt or anger that can come up in these types of situations, to just write that down and ask yourself, why am I feeling sad? You want to be able to get to the root of it and uh, that can take some time but if you just start writing down like why am I sad and you answer that it's going to open the doors for so much more and so I wanted to I'll just recap briefly again green guilt because those are two emotions that we mentioned here in this podcast but when your anger comes up pause and really realize that it's showing up because there was a part of you that feels like you're powerless, like you don't have the control, maybe that you're not being listened to, respected. It's going to be different for everyone once you tune in. But the essence of it is to ask yourself, how do you not feel control in the situation? And then with guilt, it's really coming up when there's a part of you that is trying to cling to these labels and responsibilities that you were so used to. And there's this other part of you that is like, that is no longer, that is not who you truly are. There is more to you. And so you kind of feel this um, internal tug of war and allowing yourself with guilt to accept who you are trying, who that inner you is trying to share. Like there's more to us than just the label of parent, just more to us than the label of, caretaker just more to us than the label of you know fill in the blank and be open to what part of you wants to be free what sort of freedom do you want to experience that is also going to be huge as you release guilt and move forward and and journaling on that like I mentioned is big so apart from that I think the other big thing also is if you're not doing if you are not yet doing some sort of, oh, how do I want to word it, like sacred time for yourself, start doing that because it's so easy for us to be in such go, go, go type of environments. And when we're in go, 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 our minds are constantly go, go, go. And for us to be able to replenish our energies, we need to create this area, this space, this moment even if it's just five minutes to just check in with yourself and pay attention to what is coming up especially with your emotions when we feel things we mostly focus on either I don't want to feel that so I'm not going to think about it or we're just like that doesn't feel good you know and so many things can come up but it's taking the time to be aware like I mentioned of like what is coming up and then going from there, it's going to be 
so powerful. And of course, you want to follow the guidance that comes through because you can journal yourself like crazy. You can do all the inner work like crazy. But if you don't take the action on what your anger and what your guilt are encouraging you to do, then it's very easy to find yourself in the same space. So focus on those two things and it's going to be so much easier as you go through your own healing journey and find a sense of yourself again without feeling lost. Thank you. That is such amazing advice. And it's actually something I'm working on right now, being able to allow myself to feel my feelings, but also go deeper with them and mm -hmm. understand what it is that they're here to teach me and guide me on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're here to support you. So, so let's not push them away. Actually, I was, um, it's so funny. I, I did this live the other day and it's like, imagine if I'm trying to share with you something that is so powerful for you, but you keep shushing me and you're like I don't want to listen to you why don't you just like go in like the closet or whatever but it's like this part this piece that I'm trying to share can make your life so much easier and can make you have so much more happiness and success and it's the same thing here like if if we're constantly saying nope don't want to listen don't want to have anything to do with this we're neglecting so much magic that can come into our lives so being willing to open to be open to hearing those and knowing that they're here to serve you is is going to be very powerful absolutely and also you know the more you try to keep them quiet the more they will linger so if it oh is a gosh. feeling that you, <laughs> you're maybe not uncomfortable with trying like paying attention to it and what it's trying to say it's going to make it go away quicker than just trying to quiet it down so glad you said that because in a situation like this when we're dealing with people like uh, you know paranoia anxiety if we do keep things to ourselves we can just blow up and then we can become these people that may, we're not necessarily proud of and we may not want to hurt those around us but because we haven't processed things ourselves and we're bottling things up either we bought if we're bottling it up for too long and the pressure builds then the next thing you know that happens is you explode and Maybe you didn't want to explode that way. And then there comes more guilt and you feel like a bad person and you're driving yourself in the cycle. So um, we want to break that cycle of like resentment and, and accepting your emotions is going to be such a fundamental key for that. Absolutely. Thank you for so much for sharing your story with us and all the tools you have learned. I really think it was very valuable. I uh, would love for, uh, for you to let, the listeners know where they can connect with you, you know, where do you hang out online? What networks do you use? Where can they reach out? Yeah, so uh, first and foremost, thank you for having me. Um, it was really fun to be here with you, but also in a way also, you know, I'm still going through my own healing journey. And like I mentioned, I think it's in situations like these, it can be a lifelong healing journey. And, and I had a lot of fun and I hope that people listening also find healing and support through this and people can find me you guys can find me on instagram and my handle is carla k-a-r-l-a dot myra m-y-r-a or you can join my facebook community which is speak your heart out so you can do facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash carla myra 
And in that one, it, it's all about emotions. So we dive even deeper into how to honor your emotions, how to accept your emotions, how to communicate them in a way that is healthy, that respects you, but that also respects the other person. And those would be the two best ways to connect with me. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. And all the links will be available on the show notes so people can find those easily. So I look forward to seeing how your journey continues to develop and staying in touch and continuing to learn from you. So thank you for much, so much for being here today. Thank you, Savvy. I had such a great time. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Mental Health Adjacent Podcast. I hope you found the information shared helpful. If you liked the show, please take a few minutes to leave a review. It would mean the world to me. If you aren't yet, remember you can join the Facebook group Mental Health Adjacent Community, a safe space where we support the supporters. And you can follow me on Instagram on at mh.adjacent. Until next time.